Hello and welcome to Montessori Minute. My name is Melissa McElhill and we are looking at the last chapter of The Absorbent Mind, which is called Love and Its Sources, The Child. Maria Montessori mentions the gatherings of Montessorians, which draws people from all areas of life. And she notices a lack of tension and she argues that this is a testament to the child's power to unify mankind. It's also a testament to the greatest energy in the universe, which is love. Even in those we suspect are beyond salvation have retained that energy, even if unconsciously. And even in the darkest times, we still speak of love and its redemptive, restorative, life-giving powers. The child personifies love and the adult must become humble and learn from the child, for in him lies our redemption. I've got five main points. One, humans have the same attitude towards children. We want to care for them and protect them, and that unites us. Two, we are inclined to defend and love children, but the fundamental feeling is love, which we then um, place defense on top of. So we superimpose defense. Three, love is a reality, not an ideal, even though it's not taught in schools. Point four, the absorbent mind has parallels with love. It receives all, does not judge, does not refuse, and does not react. And point five, if we can harness love, it can be more than an idea, and we will become better as a race. And some quotations for you. This force that we can call love is the greatest energy of the universe. The child endures all things. The study of love and its utilisation will lead us to the source from which it springs, the child. So there you have it, all 28 chapters of The Absorbent Mind. Um, and I think, you know, now's a good point to take a quick look at The Absorbent Mind overall. You know, let's let's look at it as a whole book. now. You may have noticed that there is some overlap in content, um, you know, when you go through each chapter. And this may be due to the fact that the book comes from a compilation of lectures which Maria Montessori gave, um, you know, near the end of her career, after her internment, um, after World War Two. Sorry, a lot of afters there. So after World War Two, her internment is finished. She gives a series of lectures in India and they go forth to make this book. Um, I think this book is a cry for help. You know, it's so emotive. It calls us to action. It's urgent. Um, and as Mario Montessori says um, in the introduction, which I think encapsulates the book beautifully, this is a plea made on scientific grounds. And, and that's the thing, isn't it? Here we have scientific pedagogy, scientific reasoning you know here is how a child grows therefore this is how we should raise children and i think that maria montessori's strength um you know her strengths in her discoveries and her explanations are that they are beguilingly simple and yet so staggeringly obvious that you think it's common sense but it's not common sense you know this this came from years of observation and experimentation you know, in this book, it's not a manual. 
It communicates what she believes, but it doesn't give you a list of things to do. It doesn't kind of give you a cheat sheet uh, on how to raise children. I think on the one hand, it makes it more challenging for us. You know, we have to internalize the philosophy and then kind of go out there and implement it. Um, but on the other hand, I, I think it's wonderful, wonderful because it's not rigid. You know, it encourages you to think about why rather than just, you know, think about what, you know, what to do and then not really absorb anything and not really be able to kind of improvise in the moment. Because, you know, maybe a child says something to you and, you know, it, well, that, that's not in the book, so I don't know what to do. You know, you don't want a situation like that. I think that you don't need to subscribe to all of Maria Montessori's beliefs, you know, kind of the, her religion, her beliefs or, um, in human progress, uh, you know, why we are here. You don't have to believe them in order to, you know, understand what she's saying and for what she's saying to inspire you. Um, I believe that my notes um, and summaries are faithful to the book. You know, I think they're accurate, but of course, nothing can replace reading the text yourself. And I think, you know, it just depends on how much time you've got on your hands. You know, if you're an educator, I think it's well worth reading The Absorbent Mind. Um, but if you're a parent and you're pushed for time, well, I would go for the books that are more aimed at parents. Um, and if you have time to read them all, read them all. Um, I think we need to separate the woman from the genius. I think that it is kind of hilarious, um, but no, actually, it's kind of sad that Maria Montessori gave up, you know, her child when, when he was a baby, and yet just calls out other people um, for being bad mothers. You know, it's, just, it's kind of, in, you know, I'm kind of, that's why I say it's funny, because it's like, really? You're really going to tell other people that they're bad mothers when you gave up your own baby? But, you know, that's why it's important that we separate, you know, Maria Montessori, the scientist, and Maria Montessori, the person. Um, she doesn't, you know, kind of use her own background in order to make herself feel better. You know, she's not going to change her beliefs because of the way she led her life. You know, her pride doesn't get in the way. And I think that's, that's really admirable. Um, well, another point is that the science has been updated. You know, she was writing in like the 1940s. Um, science has come a long way since then. However, a lot of it just simply supports what she claims through her observations. So I believe the prevailing statistic now is something like 90% of the brain is formed by the time a child is five years old. And of course, what Maria Montessori was arguing is that these early years are the most important. I think the book is written beautifully. I think there is such balance between theory, everyday life, anecdotes and personal history. I thought it was gri gripping, you know. Um, and it's a myth buster. This book is shattering received wisdom and cultural norms. Um, and then lastly, you know, this is my plea to teachers, you know, to everyone out there who is on their Montessori journey and you know it's so exciting it's gosh you know you read all this advice on how to raise children and it's almost like the veil has been lifted you know you've left them you've left Plato's cave and you you've come out into the real world and you're exposed to all this knowledge 
Just remember what it was like before you came across Montessori. All those ideas you had about raising children, you know, because some people outside of our world, they feel so judged, you know, and a lot, a lot of the, you know, kind of professionals within the Montessori profession really give off this kind of holier than thou, like more Montessori than thou attitude. And it's not what we want. We don't want to make people feel inadequate because ultimately we are all on the same side. You know, we want children to flourish. Well, thanks for sticking around. Um, feel free to send me a note. So I'm on Instagram at melissa.mackelhill, Mackelhill, M-C-E-L-H-I-L-L. I'm on Twitter at Melissa Mackelhill, no dot. Um, it'll be wonderful to hear from you. Um, but otherwise, I'm going to crack on with the discovery of the child. Um, so chapter one will be coming very soon. Thanks. Bye.